This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is In Legal Terms, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill, joined today by Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. This morning, we'll talk about legal current events. A government agency thinks mandatory arbitration isn't in the public's best interest, but some lawmakers disagree. If you're blocked on someone's social media platform, is that a violation of your First Amendment rights? And Mississippi has some new laws that took effect in July. Do you know what they are? Give us a call this morning. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can also send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back after the news. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill, joined by Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. This morning, we're going to talk about current events of laws, Uh, impeachment, mandatory arbitration, Mississippi's new laws that just took effect. Give us a call this morning. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can also send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. Good morning, Professor Gershon. How was your time away from Mississippi? Well, good morning, Liz. I, uh, Always good to get back home, but uh, we spent some time hiking in the mountains of Asheville, North Carolina, so that's not too bad either. And, uh, you know, it's great to have you on the show. Oh, well, thank you. Oh, gosh, I'm envious. I've always wanted to go to Biltmore. I've uh, driven past Asheville a few times, and my mom has been there, but uh, uh, that's a site I've never seen. And the mountains also are gorgeous. And a lot cooler too, I will say, up in the up in the heights. So it's worth it's worth the trip. There seem to be a lot of Mississippians who like to go to Asheville. Well, it's a great town. It's a you know a good place to to visit. My brother lives there too, so I have uh, a good reason to to spend some time there. Well, fantastic. Well, it's uh, they were talking on in Money Talks that school is about to start soon, and uh, G- July was a brand new year for some of our laws. So I thought maybe we could start off this morning with talking about some of the new laws that take an effect, and uh, some of them are about riding in vehicles. Right, Liz, and uh, you know it's interesting. Um, some of them, for example, are just common sense, really, that have been codified. One uh, is a uh, new law that requires everyone in a car, truck, or SUV to buckle up, and that includes people in the back seat. Uh, the previous law only required children seven or under to be buckled in the back seat. We currently had a law 
that uh, required everyone in the front seat to buckle. Now, I mean, the truth is about this that it's it's only a $25 fine, and I think the reason why this law came into effect is because if someone is injured and they're not wearing a seatbelt in the back seat or they're riding in the like a bed of a pickup truck, which would also be improper without seatbelts, uh, they, you know, if they're injured, that's going to affect the amount that they can recover. It actually uh, is a bill that somewhat protects the insurance companies because this injury that occurs, if you're at fault for your own injury, that could affect the amount you recover. And if you're violating the law, you're considered to be using the Latin phrase per se negligent. You're negligent automatically because there's a law that says you should have been wearing a seatbelt and you weren't. So in some ways, it's common sense. Uh, you know, I wish... Uh, one, one thing that I've, I've seen as a science experiment over and over again in Mississippi is people throw things in the back of their pickup trucks, like paper and trash, and go, you know, when they go 30 miles an hour or faster, those things fly out. And, and they've proven that uh, over over and over again. So I think they can stop doing that science experiment. But they also shouldn't have people back there either, is what this law says. Yeah, it seems like sometimes uh, the duty of the government is to protect its citizens, and even that means from themselves. That's correct. And, and some of it is just if, you, if you're still going to persist in riding without a seatbelt, which we know uh, seatbelts do save lives, then your injury is going to be uh, largely your fault and, and not necessarily the fault of someone who hits you from behind, for example, if your injuries are worse because you weren't wearing that seatbelt, and that's part of it. I, you know, you mentioned school starting. I'm, I'm still surprised that we don't require seatbelts on school buses, and I, I think that would be a great enhancement as well. That's right. And a number, another of the uh, driving laws for Mississippi is about um, uh, safety for our uh, mail carriers. Right. That's exactly right. Uh, drivers could face a fine for... Uh, failing to move over uh, for rural mail carriers as they come onto a, uh, a highway or as uh, they are delivering mail. Again, common sense. It really is. Uh, you know, there have been laws about moving over for service vehicles, police officers, uh, firefighters, first responders. Uh, but now this just really adds additionally uh, a, a bill that says you need to move over for a rural mail carrier as well. Well, and uh, the the one rule, though, that I think I might have a problem with is the law that requires drivers in the left lane to pass another vehicle or make a left turn. You're not supposed to just drive in the left lane anymore. Yeah, and I, I'm not sure I understand that one either, Liz. I mean, I think, uh, you know, all of us could exercise a little more patience. I think, you know, part of the idea behind this bill was probably someone who was uh, upset that somebody was driving a little bit slower in the left lane than they wanted them to. Um, but, uh, you know, there uh, there was a couple who uh, reported they received a ticket uh, for driving in the left lane behind a state trooper for about 10 miles. Uh, he was actually going below the speed limit, so they stayed behind him, and, and there was a line of traffic going slower even still on the right, but he, he pulled them over and said they were in the left lane for too long. And uh, I find that interesting. And frankly, there's some things I, I wish our legislature would spend more time on than than maybe the left lane law. Well, I I wonder about the wear and tear on the highways. If everyone is only driving in the right lane, uh, how, how does that affect the, the wear and tear on the left lane? Always seems a lot smoother and less bumpy. I think you're right. And, and you know, traffic flows better if there are two lanes of traffic that people are using as opposed to just one. But 
you know, that's that's the law. So I'm going to be uh, careful about when I get into the left lane. Excellent. Excellent. This morning on In Legal Terms, we're talking about legal current events. Right now, we're talking about Mississippi's new laws that just took effect. Give us a call this morning. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. And one of the next new laws, uh, talking about expanding the hate crimes law in Mississippi. Well, you know, the hate crimes uh, prior to this were uh, to enhance penalties for crimes committed because of someone's race, religion, national origin, or gender. And, uh, you know, those are people who have been traditionally discriminated against. Uh, quite often it's, you know, because of race. Uh, and uh, and so uh, there's been a movement, and several states have adopted new laws to include in those hate crimes crimes against police officers. And, uh, you know, there, there are arguments both ways. I think, you know, certainly we want to protect police officers. There are already uh, penalties, enhanced penalties for attacks on police officers, both federally and at the state level. Um, there, the people who criticize this new law say, you know, that police officers are not, have not been traditionally discriminated against the way that people have been discriminated against because of race, religion national origin. And so hate laws are probably not the best place to, to put these enhancements. You can already, if you commit a crime against a police officer, be in prison for life or even even put to death. Uh, you know, so an enhancement doesn't really do that much. Well, I guess in, in my opinion, a lot of our laws, uh, you, you would think we wouldn't need to have them if people uh, act considerately and uh, used good judgment but it seems like, once again, sometimes uh, the government is trying to step in to protect its citizens from themselves. I think that's true. You know, the, the, really, truly, if we all uh, use the law, the harvest, and the golden rule, we, we would be better off, um, you know, certainly. Um, and the other thing is, if people kept their promises, you wouldn't need lawyers. And that includes the promise to act uh, reasonably when you uh, drive a car, the promise to uh, not engage in criminal activity. Uh, so we wouldn't need this show at all, but um, I, I don't think we're ever going to get to that point. That's true. So we're talking about the Mississippi's new laws that took effect July 1st, 2017. We'd love to have your input on what you think about some of these laws. Give us a call. Our number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. And I guess another law that uh, took uh, effect was about grounds for divorce. Can you tell us about that one? Yes, and this is this is a one that I think is really um, a very very positive move by the legislature. I will say Mississippi is one of two states only that still require uh, proof of fault, uh, and unless both parties agree to the divorce, uh, South Dakota and Mississippi. Uh, both require either that uh, both parties agree for irreconcilable differences or one party will have to prove fault. And, and the other 48 states all have provisions that allow if one party is uh, tired of the marriage, they can file for divorce and, and get out of the marriage. So it's important to note that these fault-based grounds then in Mississippi are still um, important. And uh, prior to the domestic violence, one incident of domestic violence uh, being a, a fault-based ground for divorce, a person had to prove habitual cruel and inhuman treatment. And so uh, it was possible that a court may say that, hey, just one incident of domestic violence was not enough, and that forces a person to go back and, and basically be subjected uh, to, to habitual cruelty, which did not seem to be, you know, a, a good thing. 
Uh, and so I'll, there were there were some good um, uh, positions taken on this. Dean Debbie Bell of, of our law school had a, a big part in encouraging the legislature to pass this law. And so now one incident of domestic violence can be a fault-based ground for divorce. All right. And before we take our first break, uh, Professor Gershon, we've got a call from Holly Springs. Uh, Elizabeth, you're on the line. Good morning and welcome to In Legal Terms. Good morning. What is your question or comment about Mississippi's laws? Well, uh, my comment is, as y'all were talking about, you couldn't understand why the roads were so bad in one lane or another. Uh, you know, the laws are for truck drivers, which that, that's what I am. Uh, certain areas in the state, you cannot ride in the left lane. But what my comment is, if truck drivers pay a whole lot of road taxes, and there's millions of truck drivers out here, and me, myself, I don't understand why the roads are the way they are. With millions of taxes coming into the state from truck drivers, any companies, these roads should be smooth as glass. And that's my comment. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for that comment. And I think, you know, that's just, a, again, something that a message we want to send to our legislature about priorities. And if you're driving on the roads and that's how you make your living, uh, you know, the, the time out of work because of uh, damage to your vehicle just from the roads can be, uh, you know, annoying and also costly. Uh, it's one of those things, you know, the infrastructure in our country in general is something that we hope that our government will work on. And that's really, you know, one of the uh, things that we look for government to do. Well, when we come back from our break, we're going to move on. uh, We're going to do a few more of our Mississippi laws and then move on to some current events outside of Mississippi. And we're going to start at the top with President Trump. What are some of the legal ramifications for some of the actions taken by the president's campaign workers and the president himself? Give us a call this morning. Our number for in legal terms is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's one 877-672-7464. You can also send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. You're listening to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio. This morning, Professor Gershon and I are talking about legal current events. And Professor, we our phones have just lit up. We have a full slate of calls, so we're going to get to our first one. It'll be, it'll be, uh, here we go. (laughs) It'll be uh, Linda from Port Gibson is calling. Good morning, Linda. Yes, uh, I want to talk about, I guess it's an old law, um, texting and driving. Um, Are there, like, fines for texting and driving? And uh, I've been in cars where people uh, uh, talk on the phone 
from Port Gibson to Vicksburg or and I just need to know are there tech are there laws or uh fines against that? Professor, do you know the, the status of our texting draw laws in Mississippi? Yes, we do. In twenty fifteen, in fact, uh, Phil Bryant Governor Phil Bryant signed into law uh, our uh, texting and driving or using social posting to social media while driving, which really scares me. Um, there's a civil fine of $25 per violation, uh, but that was increased in 2016 to $100 per violation. It, it, you know, it's really important. There, there are studies that show that distracted driving is as dangerous as drunk driving and maybe even more so. And I think people are aware of the issues of drunk driving and and taking that more seriously. But I often see uh, people texting and driving, and and they think they're driving better than they are uh, when they are texting and driving, and and they're not. Um, I run, and sometimes I have uh, had to quickly avoid a a car who was turning because the person wasn't even looking while they were turning because they were looking at their phone. And so this is a really serious issue, and... uh, it is a crime, uh, and, and again, uh, if someone is texting and driving and causes an accident, that will affect uh, their liability because they would be per se liable, uh, you know, per se negligent for doing so. Thank you much, so much for that call, Linda. We appreciate, uh, and I think all of us who drive uh, n- notice that the texting can be quite a problem. We'll move on now to Richard in Silver City. He has a question about driving pickup trucks. Uh, I thought it was a discussion at one time about making it illegal for um, somebody to let their dog run loose in the back of their pickup truck while the truck was moving. Uh, Did anything happen on that, or is it still legal to let your dog run loose in the back of the pickup truck? Richard, that's a great question. as far as I know, there there is no law preventing dogs from being in the back of a, a, a pickup truck. Uh, you know, if the dog was injured, though, and, and the person who was driving the truck was shown to be negligent, uh, then there could be uh, some uh, crime for, you know, uh, endangering an animal, which is criminal. But just having the dog in the truck itself is not, at this point, as far as I know, uh, a criminal act. But I don't disagree with you. And how does it... Have you ever seen a, a dog jump out? I mean, does a dog like when when the truck stops uh, suddenly, or uh, do you know of any cases? Of, of, you know, maybe not legally, but the dog uh, falling out of the truck, getting hurt, stuff like that. Well, it wouldn't surprise me. I've never seen it myself. Uh, you know, the I have seen a dog jump out of a window at a, at a McDonald's drive-through mm-hmm. uh, because it was so excited to uh, to be at McDonald's, but. Uh, no, I have not seen that happen. Although, you know, I, again, you got an animal free floating in the back of a, a truck. You know, the it could happen. It absolutely yeah. could happen that the dog jumps out and gets hurt. Of course, hurt. they like it, but you know, they don't know any better. Right. Right. Okay. Well, thank you. My pleasure. All right, and we'll move on to our next call. We've go. We're going to Scuba, and it's Leo. Leo has a comment on the roads law. Welcome to In Legal Terms, Leo. How you doing? We're uh, great. I've got a question, actually. Since, since y'all didn't pass the law about the seatbelts and all that kind of stuff, you missed one. People driving with the, the high beams on. What about that? And then another question. 
They're taking up all this money for the roads, and the roads are just raggedy. Another question. I'm going to hang up after this. How come you don't enforce that law about people sagging pants? I don't like looking at people dirty draws, uh, standing in line, and they got the pants down, think they cool, and stuff like that. I just think somebody ought to take a stick and whoop their ass. Thank you, and have a good day. Well, Leah, those are some uh, uh, um, rules that uh, you know folks need to uh, to go by. Do you know, happen to know what the rule is about high beams, Professor Gershon? Well, you know the what I understand. Again, a lot of this really is again golden rule kind of stuff. Good common sense. Um, I, you know, you really shouldn't have your high beams on. Obviously, if someone else is coming, um, I have heard though that the worst thing you can do, even though it's what we were all taught in, in driving school, is to flash your beams back at them because all you're going to do is blind them as well. Um, I, you know, a good common sense would say that when someone else is coming, you turn your beams off. And I'm not sure there's really a law that enforces that or a way to enforce that. Um, You'd almost have to be driving past a police officer with the high beams on for them to know about it. We want our police officers really kind of dealing with maybe bigger issues uh, than, you know, whether people pull up their pants or or have their high beams on. Although, you know, we we have a lot of laws that, that on the books that do enforce certain things like that. So, you know, I think it's got to be sometimes we, we want our police officers to use discretion about what, what laws they're going to enforce and what, what they're not. All right, and Dwayne has been very patiently hanging on. He called in from D'Iberville, and he has a comment on the seatbelt law. Dwayne, welcome to In Legal Terms. Hi, um, and the name is Wayne. Um, I am calling in regards to the fact that the seatbelt laws were all basically uh, put in place, driven by money from the insurance companies to drive down costs. And I'm not arguing the point that seatbelts do save lives, but they, the laws have taken away my freedom of choice. I, uh, I must now, under penalty of law, drive with a seatbelt or uh, run the risk of getting pulled over and given a ticket. The, uh, the background on my story is this. I have survived three, not one, three horrendous wrecks, including one where I ended up underneath a semi-truck. And in all of those cases, I was not wearing a seatbelt. And at least in one case, I think that not having that seatbelt on may have saved my life because I went through a guardrail and into a ravine. And because I was free to dive into the seat and grab the other end of the seat with my free arm and pull myself down into the seat, I survived that crash. Uh, I hate seatbelts, and uh, I, I wonder what the the Dale Earnhardt family thinks about seatbelts, too. Uh, anyway, that's my comment, and I thank you very much for your time. Well, Wayne, you're absolutely right. I do think it, uh, the law was driven by the insurance companies, but f- but for mostly for good reasons. I think, you know, you're, you're, I'm glad you survived those situations. Uh, you know, the odds do, you know, we're, and, and we're talking about risk assessment. That's what insurance companies look like, look at. And really, your risk uh, of dying or having a serious injury you know, statistically goes up by not wearing a seatbelt. Um, and so, you know, may, there are those cases like yours where maybe that's not true, but on on average and, and generally overwhelming evidence shows that 
uh, seatbelts save lives. That being said, you still have the freedom not to wear your seatbelt in some some respects. I mean, uh, one way to look at this. But if you're not wearing your seatbelt and because of that, your injuries are much greater than they could have been had you had the seatbelt on, then the insurance company is going to say, hey, you know, that you were responsible. Uh, and therefore, uh, we the rest of us, those of us who pay into insurance, shouldn't have to cover your choice not to wear a seatbelt. And so that's that's largely what drove the law. Thanks for that call. And we're this morning on In Legal Terms. We're talking about legal current events. Mississippi has some new laws that just took effect uh, earlier this month. We have uh, one line open. Give us a call this morning. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can also send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. Al has been waiting. Al is calling from Brandon, and he's talking about driving on the left-hand side. Good morning, Al. Welcome to In Legal Terms. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Hey, um, I understood that there was a new law that restricted um, driving in the left lane where you needed to uh, only pass in the left lane and then keep right. Uh, but then I've heard some conflicting information about that, so I'd like to know what the what the real status is. And then uh, a related question, if there is a restriction on left lane use, is it only on certain types of roads? That's a good, those are great questions. Actually, the uh, there is a new left lane law that does require that you keep right. And really, you know, you see those signs posted in Mississippi that, you know, basically say slower traffic, keep right. That's state law. That has been the state law for a long time. But now it is that uh, you should not be driving in the left lane on a divided highway uh, unless um, unless you are either going to be turning left or passing another vehicle. And so, uh, and I don't know how easy that's going to be to enforce. Quite frankly, I guess the idea is to try to keep the left lane clear for passing vehicles as much as possible. And uh, again, I'm not 100% sure why this was one of the things that our legislature passed or why it was important. Um, But, uh, you know, I think the idea was to keep the left lane clear unless you are turning left or passing. And, and it, okay, so you confirmed it is a new uh, a new law. Is there a penalty for that? If uh, can you get uh, pulled over for driving slow in the left lane? Uh, you can, and I think the penalty I I have to I would have to look this up. But I think it's it's minor. It'd be like twenty five dollars. I think it's not a huge penalty. But again, I just think you know what we're asking police officers to do and and state troopers and people like that to do is we're adding another level of things that they need to uh, consider, and, and I'm not sure this would be their priority. I mean, the, the primary concern they have is our safety and, you know, driving safely and people not, you know, way exceeding the speed limit and, and driving recklessly. You know, being in the left lane for a certain period of time is not one of those things I would put in that category. Uh, so you'll probably see a lot of discretion used, but that is technically the law. Yeah, good. Well, it it clogs up the, the traffic if, if people kind of roadblock and, and, uh, and they got people queued up behind them trying to go by, and uh, uh, just it'll relieve the frustration. I think if if, they, if people just use their common sense, right? And I, I think some of the relief of frustration could be we we could all use an attitude adjustment when we drive. You know, I think you know I, I watched I 
had to drive through Atlanta, Georgia, my hometown where I grew up on my way to North Carolina. And uh, people get right on the tail of the person in front of them in a line, long line of traffic. And I can assure you that getting on that person's tail will not make the entire line of traffic go faster. And uh, so if we all just kind of calm down a little bit, slow down a little bit, use a little more patience, uh, maybe some of these laws would not be necessary. Yeah. Okay, well that's good, and if people get out of the way, that'll that'll help relieve the tensions also. You're right. Thanks for that call, Al. We appreciate you calling in to end legal terms. We're going to take a break now. We're talking about the current of legal events, current events, legal issues that are current events. We our lines are all full right now. Well, I'll just dropped off, so we have one line open. You can give us a call and give us your feedback, your questions. Our number is one. 1- 877 MPB ring and that comes out to be 18776727464. Thank you so much. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning. We're so glad you've joined us today. This morning on In Legal Terms, Professor Gershon and I are talking about legal current events. We've been talking about the new state laws for Mississippi, and everyone seems to have an opinion and want to discuss it. Our lines are full, but uh, when someone drops off, you can give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-872-7464. Now, our next caller is Dudley, who has called in. Dudley, welcome to our program. Hello, Dudley from Kalen County. Calhoun County. Calhoun County. Thank you. Yes. Uh, my concern is what is the status of the religious conscience bill, that 1523 law that was signed in a year? Well, I, I, I just don't know what the status is of this law now. That's a great question. By the way, I want to I want to correct something, Liz, before we move on about the left lane law. The left lane law was reported as having passed, but actually it died in committee. So those oh, of you driving in the left okay. lane are actually uh, <laughs> um, are actually uh, doing OK. And, and that's a good news. And, and I'm actually kind of happy to hear that. But in terms of 1523, 1523 is still going through somewhat of a process, to be honest. I mean, it is. It, uh, statutes uh, that are adopted by the legislature are presumed to be constitutional. Uh, a federal judge in Jackson uh, held the law unconstitutional at the district court level, uh, but then it went to the Fifth Circuit. Uh, and and so currently the Fifth Circuit has held that there was no standing to bring that case. It has not held that the law is necessarily constitutional. It hasn't really dealt with the merits of that case, simply that 
no one uh, came forward as a plaintiff who had standing to bring the lawsuit to challenge Rule uh, House Bill 1523. All right, so where we are is that the, the rule is still deemed to be presumptively constitutional, uh, uh, but I do think you're going to see more challenges to that law. And, uh, again, very hard to enforce, very hard to enforce who, what, you know, what is a... Uh, you know, sincerely held religious belief. I think it's very, you know, to, to, to get into someone's mind and understand whether they sincerely hold a religious belief. I, get, I, I would, my own personal opinion, as I, I wish we could move on from that and, and have our legislature deal with, with more important issues like our, our budget deficit. I totally agree. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you, Dudley, for calling in for In Legal Terms. Our lines are full, but we're going to move on. Next, we've got uh, Robert from Memphis, who's been holding so patiently. Thank you, Robert. What's your question about seatbelts? Okay, am I I on? Yes, you are. Welcome Uh, to In Legal Terms. I just wanted to share some. This guy called in and talking about seatbelts being an infringement on his personal liberties. Well, I have my nephew study uh, for a driver's test. And if you haven't studied for a while, you may not know this. But as a driver, the seatbelt helps you control your car while you're in an accident. You don't get thrown over where you can not control where the car goes. And that's one of the it's for personal injury, too. But it's to keep you from injuring other people while your car is going all over the road. I think that's- and that's the comment I have. That's a, that's a good comment, and I think you know seatbelts. The, the they're really hard to argue about the science behind you know the fact that seatbelts save lives, uh, um, and so you know the, there are laws like that. We we all in some ways give up some of our rights to do whatever we want to do when we uh, engage with other people, and we do that when we are driving a vehicle. Uh, we have to get a license. We have to go take a test. As your my daughter. Uh, is 16, so she'll be taking hers uh, soon as well. And, you know, there there's certain things that we agree to do. That's our promise we're making to drive carefully and to follow the laws. And one of those happens to be the the, the requirement that you wear a seatbelt. Thank you, Robert. I don't think I've read the, uh, the, the driver's manual for a while, but that's good to know that wearing a seatbelt is uh, one way to keep the keep control of your car as you're a driver. Next, we'll move on to Sharon from Collinsville. Welcome to our show, Sharon. Thanks for being calling in legal terms. Um, thank you for having me. My question is this. When I'm on a highway, and it's a four-lane highway, and there's um, the turnarounds, I call them. Like if I'm in the passing lane and I'm going to take a left into the, to get over to the other um, two lanes, do I stay to the right inside the turnaround? Or if I'm in the left passing lane and I want to take a left um, to go the other way, do I stay to the left? I had an officer tell me one time in Tuscaloosa, you should always stay to the lane you're going to pull into. So if I was in the passing lane and I was going to take a left, then um, I would stay to the left. But I got a friend that argues with me every time that I get in a turnaround like that, that I'm supposed to stay to the right. Which is it? Well, I, th- I think you, you stay in the lane, especially if you're going to be turning left pretty soon. I think the less you change, this is just, this is just really, to me, you know, more, uh, less about the law and more about just common sense to stay in that left side just to, because then you don't have to keep switching back. Uh, you know, that would be, 
what I would recommend. Um, one thing that we could all do more of, this is, you know, I'm, I'm playing it at my own personal uh, idiosyncrasies here. Using turn signals really helps. You know, I, I always feel like, you know, that if we use turn signals, people know what we're doing, and that gives them a chance to react. Um, it seems like there are some places, like I, I mentioned, I grew up in Atlanta, and using a turn signal in Atlanta seems to be a sign of weakness. Um, uh-huh. But, uh, you know, I really do think that would be helpful. And so that way, if, if you are getting over to the left, to turn left, someone would know. And by the way, once you're already in the left turn lane, ready to make your left turn, to put your blinker on then is a little bit too late. So, you know, the whole idea is to let other drivers know what we're doing. And uh, and if I can preach one thing, it's don't text and drive. And also the second thing would be use turn signals. Right. I totally agree. Thank you all for being there. Thank you for calling, Sharon. We appreciate your call here on In Legal Terms. Next, we're going to go to Biloxi. And is your name Howlett? Have you got uh, uh, a question or information about left lane driving? Hello from Biloxi? Yes. Hi. What's your question for in legal terms or comment? Yes. uh, I have a question. Uh, Has anything been addressed about uh, when people are driving on the interstate or highways that are higher than the speed limits? And, of course, uh, it just brings up the issue of the left lane when someone's trying to pass going the speed limit. And other people are coming at many more miles uh, per hour and weaving in and out of traffic. Of course, uh, I guess it's a peep to me because I nearly lost my life with someone, you know, weaving and it hitting me, causing me to fly off the interstate. I was in the middle lane, not in the left lane, but they couldn't squeeze in between, you know, trying to weave past someone who was in the left lane to proceeding to pass me. Has anything been addressed to those those issues about the weavers? Well, that, that would be, you know, there are laws about reckless driving, uh, and uh, that would be one of them. I think that, you know, certainly people who weave in and cut too close in front of the car in front of them uh, going at too high a speed would fall into that category. And those are, they are dangerous. I think the thing that other drivers have uh, can do is just let them go by. Uh, you know, that's... Um, the worst thing that I've seen people do is try to then you know block them or race with them and and uh, you know again just uh, there are people out there who drive recklessly uh, and uh, I try to give them as wide as wide a path as possible yeah that that's and I'm sorry you know that you had that accident I think you know there are definitely dangerous people out there on the road and and you know to the extent a police officer sees them uh, they will stop them. To the extent that they don't, you know, you can call and report uh, to the highway patrol reckless drivers who are endangering other people. Thanks for that. So, um, the highway patrol people that say, well, it's your word against theirs. You know, if you if you call in, they can't do anything. Well, the good thing is nowadays we all have phone. Don't, you know, you, you shouldn't be the one filming uh, the person if you are, in fact, <laughs> right. driving. And I wouldn't recommend that. But if there's a passenger, you know, you can certainly... It's easy enough then to to have evidence that they were in fact driving recklessly, and then then it really is a matter of uh, good evidence that they that you know you kept caught them being reckless, and you know maybe you save lives that way. Yeah, unfortunately, you don't. They come in so fast that you don't see them, and then they try, you know, and they and they're weaving, but 
and then all of a sudden you have them cut right in front of you, you know. Uh, it's most, probably, I think, that's the most, uh, that is the most dangerous part of driving on the highway, in my opinion, today. I, I agree. I've done a lot this summer taking children to various uh, summer camps and, and programs. And, uh, yeah, you, you do. You, you see people who are just in a hurry. And if they really thought about it, I mean, they, you know, if you go 90 versus 70 on, on an interstate, you're not going to save yourself that much time. You know, unless you're going for 10 hours, you can't go 10 hours at 90 miles an hour anyway, usually. But, you know, so it just from the, the mathematics of it, it just, you know, if everyone would just slow down and be a little more patient, we'd all be safer. Thanks for that call. We appreciate you listening to In Legal Terms today. This morning, we've been talking about legal current events. And after the break, we have just a couple more Uh, new laws that have taken effect in Mississippi and we'll talk about and get your comments and your feedback about that. This is In Legal Terms. Our call-in number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. I'm Liz Gill and I'm with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law and we'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Thanks for listening to In Legal Terms. I'm Liz Gill. I'm here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. This morning, we've been talking about the new state laws for Mississippi that took effect July 1st. A lot of them we've learned are a little more restrictive. We've talked about uh, having to wear seatbelts, having to not be able to ride in the back of pickup trucks. Um, And then uh, we've also but there's also some that are a little less restrictive. Um, What do you know about the small breweries law, Professor Gershon? Well, I think that's, you know, a positive step. Uh, The state allows uh, small breweries to sell limited quantities of beer directly to customers. And I know that, for example, locally uh, here up in Oxford, near near us in Water Valley, uh, you know, probably I don't know if this is a commercial plug. It's really not intended to be. But Yalabusha Breweries uh, has been wanting to be able to, you know, sell at the site. Uh, their beer in small quantities, and uh, and so this would allow them to do so. And I think that's a, a good step. It'll probably help uh, some local tourism, and also just uh, you know help support those uh, those companies that are uh, in Mississippi that are brewing the, you know their own products. And so that's a, a positive thing, a positive step. And uh, the the last new law that uh, I found on research was uh, concerning opioids. That seems to be uh, the the new problem. Everyone's worried about uh, overdosing. Um, so many people are hooked on pain pills. And what's the new law in Mississippi on helping those 
who have uh, uh, had an uh, an addiction have an addiction problem. Well, you know, there there are certain. Uh, well, first of all, uh, you know, Mississippi really is looking at much greater restrictions on on prescriptions and uh, in terms of when you can prescribe uh, these opioids. Uh, and the other thing is that there's a, a task force uh, on looking at the the issues, uh, including educational issues regarding uh, these drugs and and use of them. I, mean, I, I think the the real systemic problem is something that maybe the law can address, but but really more importantly is we ought to look at you know how many of these opioids are prescribed. And when, and this is maybe something that you know on the uh, the medical show on MPB that they can, that I know they've talked about. But for example, I had two daughters who had uh, wisdom teeth taken out, and um, they were each uh, received uh, thirty um, of these opioids. And of the, between the two of them, they only took one, one of the twenty. They each got twenty, so that's forty. They only took one. Uh, they really uh, are effective only. Uh, initially, but what happens is they've been overprescribed, um, and I think that really comes more systemically from the pharmaceutical companies themselves who make money selling these opioids, and they they really did not uh, do a good job of uh, you know putting forth the warnings of how addicted they, addictive they are. So I think this is going to be something that's really going to be dealt more on a national level. I know our state and other states have have sued some of these companies that produce these opioids. And I'm hopeful there'll be some results because um, they've definitely been overprescribed. And again, the you know the amount of opioids that are prescribed for something like wisdom teeth uh, seems to be inordinate. All right. Now we have uh, one call. Who's holding? Sue from Belmont. We're glad that you called in. Uh, tell us about your question for in legal terms. I want. Are, are you talking to me? Yes, Sue. Give us a call. Give us an answer. I wanted to ask why aren't there stronger laws about people joyriding up and down public roads on four wheelers? So these teenagers, they they ride on public roads, but they have no insurance, they have no licenses or anything. And why why does the law why does the law have stronger restrictions about that? It's a it's a good, it's a great question. I mean, there are laws about that. They're really not supposed to be on the on the streets, uh, and especially if they're not licensed drivers, uh, they should not be uh, on the streets. And I, and I do know that when caught, they are enforced. But the 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 problem here is we live in a state where you know personal freedom is really really important to people, uh, and we weigh that against the restrictions. And that you know that's why you know there are people who aren't again are not in favor of seatbelt laws because they do feel that that is a restriction on their own personal rights so we try to balance that but i do think that those those laws are enforceable and uh and in fact again you know i think the people who should be responsible for enforcing those laws are really the parents uh who should not be encouraging their their uh, underage drivers to be out on the streets driving any vehicle that already but nobody pays any attention to it right, right. it's hard you know it's hard it's hard for police officers to, to you know if every law on the book it's really hard for them to enforce every law on the book so well, they really need it's so dangerous you know that they're on those little four, two wheelers and four wheelers up and down the road and and uh tearing up the national forest i mean there's a lot of destructive things they do and but nobody does anything about it 
Well, that's I I don't disagree with that. I think there's you know there's but there's you know that's that's where money's talking a little bit because you know there are companies that make those vehicles that uh, encourage their use that way, and yeah. uh, and so you know we we have to balance um, their interest with the interest of safety, the interest of the environment, and uh, you know it's not always easy, but I I don't disagree with you. Okay, thank you. All right, Professor Gershon, we have an email. This is not on the same topic. This is more of a landlord-tenant question. The email was, I was evicting my tenant and my house burned. They were out when we went to court because of the fire. Court found in my favor. The house is locked. They were not at court. What kind of responsibility do I have to notify them about their stuff? Can I hold items for past rent due rent? When can I junk the remaining items, and can I charge them for that? Due to the fire, determ- the fire was determined not to be on arson, so the insurance did an appraisal and is trying to only pay uh, a specific amount, and it'll take more than that to put back to be livable. What can she do? Well, I'm going to give the answer she does not want to hear, which is go to a lawyer because I can't give advice over the radio about that kind of specific uh, uh, question or problem, you know, especially since I would need to, one, know that whether this person already is represented by an attorney. Um, and so uh, that I really would talk to a lawyer. They can help you. Uh, also, you know, talk to the insurance company. They may have information about that. But uh, in terms of giving specific advice on, on, on that kind of issue, I really I, I can't do that over the radio. All right. Well, super quick. Floyd from northern Louisiana, you have about 60 seconds. Uh, We'd love to hear your question or comment for in legal terms. Floyd, can you ask your question real quickly? Yeah, uh, I was asking a question. Uh, Why is that a state trooper, a police officer, can run in the left lane and you have to run in the right lane? If you're in the right lane running behind a state trooper, you can't pass because... Well, you know, we we want uh, we want to give them uh, discretion when they're on the roads. Their their main job is to look out for our safety, and even though that can be annoying, we're I'm always glad they're there. Um, but uh, so it's a good question. You know, we we all want to learn to get work together and by the way Liz you did a great job and I want to say uh, if I can we were going to talk about impeachment and everybody (laughs) wanted to talk about their personal stuff which is maybe shows that in day-to-day life that's what people think about the most uh, everything is local as they say well that's going to wrap us up for today's in legal terms thank you Professor Gershon I've enjoyed this hour to hear today's show or previous show visit mpbonline.org slash in legal terms or you can download the MPB media app and listen on your phone or on and on demand. Our call screener today was our new intern. It was Marie, and uh, our board engineer has been Jay White. For Professor Richard Gershon, I'm our producer, Liz Gill. Up next is Tuesday's Southern Remedies.